This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and we're talking about the Paris tasting of 1976 and a great event here in Baltimore where you can actually recreate and become part of that tasting. So I thought no better than anyone else to have on with us to really shed more light into that tasting and what went on would be George Tabor, who's the author of a book called Judgment of Paris, California versus France and the 1976 Paris tasting that revolutionized wine. Now, George used to be a reporter in the business area. He started a magazine in Jersey called NJ Biz, but he's written several books. He has a newer book out called A Toast to Bargain Wines, and uh, he right now splits his time between Vera Beach, Florida, and Block Island, Rhode Island. I'm super jealous of that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Larry. Glad to be with you. Uh, you know, your background is amazing. And as a reporter, primarily on business affairs in the beginning, but n- now later into wine books, with regard to this Paris tasting of 76, you were one of the few J- U.S. journalists, maybe the only one that was there, right? I was the only journalist, period, who was there. There, were no, there was no other journalist there that day. And uh, I think that if there had not been a journalist that day, uh, the word uh, might have gotten out later about it, but uh, it would have been, con- there had been a lot of controversy around it. People were doubting it. But the fact that a journalist was there and I could uh, publish it, I was working for Time Magazine at that time, um, uh, you know, that, that's what made the story such a big story. And I know, you know, folks now living in modern day times, especially if they're not, you know, super wine geeks like me, (laughs) they might not know a lot about this Paris tasting. But before, you know, kind of set the stage for us back in the 70s, what was the general idea of California wines at that time? Well, at that point, California wines were really considered only slightly better than Rotgut. Um, <laughs> they were, um, you know, the Gallo Hardy Burgundy was your American fine wine in, in, in those days. Um, and, you know, they, California wines for, the, for a generation after Prohibition had a very low quality, very low reputation, and was just considered something that you just anybody who knew anything about wine just wouldn't drink at California wines because the quality was so bad. You know, and you have wine brands like Gallo, uh, Italian Swiss Colony. There were a few very good wines in those days, even then, but they rarely got out of California, and they had very small uh, market. So mm-hmm. in California wines, whatever was known about them was bad. Uh-huh. And so Stephen Spurrier, who uh, is from England but was had a wine shop in France, started learning about some of the finer wines that were being produced in California. And he set out to set up this blind tasting so that the French judges um, would be tasting both French wines and California and everyone in France pretty much thought this was a layup, right? There was no way there would be a challenge. Absolutely. Nobody th- in fact, that's why there was no other journalist there that day. I was the only one who was too dumb to, <laughs> to realize that uh, there wasn't going to be a story. Because Stephen had invited all the American press in Paris, 
all the English press in Paris and all the French press in Paris. In fact, he had given ex- the, the possibility of exclusive rights to this event to a, public, a French publication called Go et Mio, which was a, kind of like the wine spectator of France in, in those days. And uh, everybody had turned it down. Well, the reason everybody turned it down was because of that reputation of California wines because everybody knew that the California wines were going to lose. I mean, uh, Stephen was having the the very best French wines against these unknown California wines. Nobody had ever heard of the California wines. Uh, they Some of the wineries had only been in business a couple of years, and they were going to be up against the very best wines in France, mm-hmm. wines like uh, Mouton Rothschild, Chateau Mouton Rothschild, Chateau Aubryon. I mean, those were wines that today sell for seven, eight hundred dollars a bottle. In those days, they were selling in the United States for, believe it or not, about twenty-five or fifty dollars a bottle. Wow! Now, at the tasting, tell me about you know the, I've done blind tastings before. Of course, as a sommelier, we were trained. It's beat into us as part of our process of uh, you know advancing our palate. But they're tasting these wines, not knowing the identity, just judging them. When were the winners announced? Right there on the spot. Yes, uh, actually, the white wines went first, uh, then there was a break, and Stephen's original plan was to not announce the results until the end of the event, but um, things were kind of moving slow, and he had had a free use of a room for a couple of hours before a wedding party was coming in at 6 o'clock, and so he had to get the the wine tasting done so he he could get us all out of the the room. Uh, And so he announced, he decided to announce the the white wine winners while the red wine wines were getting prepared. Ah. So, you know, they were getting the old glasses out, the dirty glasses out, they're getting clean glasses out. He announced the white winners. And to shock of all shocks, a California wine had won in the white category. Wow. And and, and, the, and the wine was Chateau Montalena. And what And happened? I remember um, going up to uh, an American who was working for Stephen, and I, because I, I was a little bit confused, I had a, I had the, the the list of the wines and the order in which they were going to be tasted. The judges obviously didn't have that, and I got that just because I was the only journalist there that day. And um, so I went up to, I was got a little confused by the name Chateau Montalena because I thought it was a California wine for my list. I went up to her and I said. Patricia, isn't that a California wine? And she very kind of sheepishly said, yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, then they went on to the red uh, wine part of the competition. Well, what was the reaction that. from the judges when it was announced that the California wine won? The the white wine? Yes. Uh, there was, um, well, I, I talked to, to several of the judges. In fact, I interviewed six of the nine judges there that day at, at one point or the other. And... Um, the, Californ- the judges were very complimentary to the California white wines, or most of them were. Um, a couple of them were kind of a little snobbish. But most, <laughs> most of them were uh, quite surprised that California was turning out wines of this quality. Uh, and, um, but at, at the same time, the French judges all said, yeah, but, um, you know, white wines are, uh, you know, expected to be drunk very, 
very quickly and and you know France makes great white wines, but our red wines are really what is our mm. you know our the, the greatest thing we do and so okay, hats off to the to the California you know Chardonnay. Your, your wine came in first, uh, but uh, you know when we get onto the reds. Uh, you know, of course, we're going to win. <laughs> oh, nice! And as we know, that was not the case uh, when the Reds went through. Uh, where, how did things end up? No, on the on the red side as well. It was a California wine again, a, a, a very brand new winery that nobody had ever heard of outside of California at that point. Uh, a winery by the name of Stag's Leap Wine Cellars. Right, and I, I, I'm giving you the name very. Slowly, and the whole name because there are two wines in California. There's Stagleap Vineyard and Stagleap Wine Cellars. They're right. only a couple, uh, several hundred uh, yards actually apart from each other. And Stagleap Wine uh, Vineyard, after of course after the Paris tasting, uh, there was a lot of confusion. In fact, I've had people give me bottles of of Stagsley Vineyard thinking they were giving me the wine that is won in Paris. And it's I, not I, that. I've accepted it and, and say, you know, oh, thank you very much. But don't <laughs> rather, I don't bother to, to, to correct them, but there, you know, there is a very difference, yes. difference between those two wines, Stagsley Vineyards and Stagsley Wine Cellar. The gotcha. shocking thing, you know, when you think about it, and as I was writing the, the book, um, was that those two wineries, it was only the second vintage that they had ever made. Mm. Um, you know, they were up against wine, uh, uh, wineries that had been in business for, you know, two, three hundred years. Wow. And here they were in their second year beating the very best that France had to offer. Right. And the other thing, of course, was the, the, just the cost difference between the, the two wines. Um, those two wines that won in Paris were both selling for a, depending on, you know, obviously what kind of story you went into, but I, I got some comparative costs in by, by doing a, I wanted to find out what those wines were selling for in California. Uh, no, in Chicago. I figured Chicago is a place where I could do the research, uh, and, and what the, the comparable French wines were selling for. Right. The comparable French wines were selling for, at that point in Chicago for about $25 a bottle. Okay. So that's what the, what the Chateau Mouton was, and that, that's a red wine. Okay. So the whites were selling for a little bit less, but about t- between 15 and 20 And And the California? The, California, the New York, the California wines at that point in Chicago were selling, those two, those two winning wines were selling for $6 a bottle. Wow. That would be so amazing <laughs> didn't you today. Wish that you bought about six <laughs> cases of those at that time. I know. This is Lori Forster. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with George Tabor on The Sipping Point.